We bless you tonight and we thank you for your goodness and for your love. Thank you that we can gather in your name. We thank you for the victory that is ours. We thank you, Father, that no weapon that's been formed against us shall prosper. We thank you, Father, that by the stripes of Jesus we have been healed. And that you supply every one of our needs according to your riches and glory through Christ Jesus. And so we gather tonight in that name, the name above every name, the name of Jesus. And Father, we want you to have your way in this place. Open our hearts and our minds to hear, to receive, to see the truth that you have for us. That we might walk in the fullness of it. We'll give you the praise, the glory, in the precious name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Well, isn't God good? Praise the Lord. Well, we're, uh, <laughs> I don't know why I say this every week because it's uh, obvious. <clears throat> we're, we're still looking at the believer's authority and uh, tonight we're going to be looking at uh, as we think, how we think. Um, because it's so important. You know, what I, what I like about this is that we've really taken and we've broken it down into a lot of little segments. And, uh, and, and I think so often when we talk about the believers of authority or the authority of the believer, uh, we just look at this thing and we look at it as a lump and say, well, that's believer's authority. But there's so much involved for us to be able to walk in the fullness of it. And, and so like I said, tonight we're going to be talking about um, how we think, as you think, as we think. Um, because how we think is going to uh, move us. We're going to go the direction of our thoughts. Um, if, our, if our thoughts are negative, we're going to see the world as negative. If our thoughts are positive, we're going to see the world as positive. If we think negatively about ourselves, we're going to, every time we look in the near, mirror, we're going to see something that's negative. You know, so our, our thoughts are so important. And, you know, it's, it's true, you know, where God is concerned. How do we, how do we think about him? You know, when we th see things that happen around us, you know, do we uh, feel accusative towards God? Or do we know that no matter what the circumstance is, he's above it, he's going to bring us through it? Um, and, and so how we think is, is so important. It, it dictates so much in our life as to whether we're going to uh, live a positive life or we're going to live a negative life. Our thoughts, all of that um, comes into play. And... Uh, you know, I've always, uh, <clears throat> over the years, I've always considered my mom to be such a negative person, you know, because remember years back uh, when we were living in Missouri, we, uh, we got, got some real cheap flights and we were going to fly up to see mom and dad and, and uh, <clears throat> we, they met us at the airport and picked us up and we're on our way home and and uh, while we're in the car, my mom says, you know, I almost feel kind of sad. 
You know, because I was sharing with the people at work today, I feel almost sad because I know in two days you're going to be leaving. Well, glory to God, we hadn't even arrived yet. And she's already being sad because we were going to leave. And, and so, I, I don't know, <clears throat> to me that seems a little bit uh, a negative thought pattern. You know, but then last time um, I was up to see Mom, um, she, she's 99, so she had made the decision. She says, you know, I think I want to be 100, so I think I'll just be 100. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we, we thought Mom was going to go before Dad, you know, and that's been three years now. And, but she's still hanging in there tough and still got her little walker that she shantays, whatever you call it, down the, down the hallway. And uh, so she's doing good. Anyway, I'm thinking of that because we're going up there tomorrow. But anyway, so uh, our thoughts, how we think, is extremely important. Proverbs tells us that in Proverbs 23, 7, y'all very familiar with this passage. If you're not, you should become very familiar with this passage. It says, For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So the thoughts that we have are very important because they, they determine who we are, the quality of life that we're going to have, what we focus on, uh, whether we're going to be negative, whether we're going to be positive. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he talked about it a little bit at, at our men's meet, meeting last night, just in discussion and stuff about the news and, you know, how I hardly, I don't, I don't watch the news very much. You know, I watched the five tonight just because I get a chuckle out of it uh, more than, than the news. But, but it just, the news just doesn't do me good on my thought life. Uh, because it, it makes me see the negative, it makes me feel hopeless, you know, where certain segments of people are concerned. So I just, you know, it's not that I just stick my head in the sand and ignore it, but I'm not going to allow it to define me. I'm not going to allow it to set my mood. I, I, I'm going to look at it and see what the information is, what's going on in the world, but, but, but besides that, I really am not interested in their commentary. Um, give me the news, don't give me commentary. And that's why most of the news that I get, I, I get off the internet or something because I don't have to listen to all the stupid commentary. They, they show you the facts and I can read the facts for myself and come to my own conclusion. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, that's really what we need to do with the Word of God. I know tonight you're here hearing my commentary concerning the Bible. You know, but... You, you need to get beyond that. You need to get beyond that to where the, you, you take the Word of God for yourself. Not that we don't ever need to have teachers. We all need to have teachers. I need to have teachers. I listened to um, Matthew Hagee this morning and, and uh, Andrew Womack. Uh, you know, so I hear my teachers, but I'm selective about it because I, I know what they're gonna, where they're gonna, different teachers are going to come from. Because I, I know what I think is extremely important. And whether we believe it or not, it is extremely important. You know, in, in my line of work, it's, it's very important for me to be, when I hear of a crisis in somebody's life, that my first thought is not, oh my goodness, what are they going to do? What are they going to do? What are they going to do? It's an absolute impossibility. 
Now my first thought, if it's concerning sickness, is by the stripes of Jesus they've been healed. If it's anything else, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And so that has to be the driving force. But you know, that needs to be the driving force in each of our lives. And so as we think, what we think about is extremely important. Um, in Roman numeral 1a there it says, you will reap emotionals, emotions based on what you focus your attention on. And that's the thinking process. That's how it's going to affect our emotions. Romans 8, 6. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Well, I don't know about you. I want to be pleasing to God. And so, if, if all of my emotions are controlled by the, by, my, by the flesh, by the things that I see in the world around me, um, that says I'm not going to be pleasing to God because that's going to dictate to me uh, what's truth and what isn't truth. But you know, if I go according to what the Word of God says and I begin to focus upon what the Word of God says, when crisis comes against me, it's not going to in, in, envelop me, it's not going to dominate me, it's not going to control me because, <clears throat> again, what I see in the natural isn't what's going to define me. It's going to be what I know according to the Word of God. And so when we're talking about the believer's authority, and we're talking about how we think, it's going to determine how we approach things that we need to use our authority over. And it needs to be based upon what the Word of God says. Um, B, there it says, you must learn to keep your thoughts centered on God and His Word. Now, we're in this world, but we don't have to be of this world. And so our thoughts need to be centered on the things that are of God. And you know, it's hard to do sometimes because of circumstances that arise. But you know, the only way that we're going to truly overcome it is, is by the Word of God. <clears throat> Isaiah 26, 3, it says, You will keep him in perfect peace, whose conditions are always perfect in life. No, it doesn't say that. You know why? Because that's not the case. It says he'll keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you. Because you trust, because he trusts in you. <clears throat> We need, to, we, we need to trust him. You know, on uh, Monday morning, um, no, it was Tuesday morning, yesterday, I was asked to come to, up to Home State Bank before hours because a um, lady that worked in the bank had lost her baby and so forth. And so they, they had me um, Sid wanted me to come in and just share a little bit with um, the staff before they began their day. You know, and, and uh, you know, it's kind of hard to know what to share at those particular times. <clears throat> but I thought it was interesting. The scripture the Lord gave me to share with them was um, Psalms 23. Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want makes me lie down in green pasture. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. 
Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. <clears throat> and probably, if you've gone to many funerals, probably 90% of the funerals that you go to, that's the scripture passage that they use. And so I, here I am, and I'm to share with these people to encourage them, and I use the funeral scripture. But, 23, Psalm 23 isn't for the dead. It's for the living. You know, and so, going back to the passage we just read, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because... He trusts in you. You know, an effective shepherd, his sheep trust him. The Lord is my shepherd. You know, and so the first thing for the Lord to be our shepherd is, do we trust him? Because if we don't trust him, how is he going to lead us? You know, it says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Through the valley of the shadow. How many of you know shadows aren't, shadow, shadow, shadows are not real? But they can sure seem real. And he says, even though you go through the valley of the shadow of death, I've been at that place where you just feel like you're not going to make it through feel like whatever the circumstances, whatever the valley is, it's going to kill you. But you know what? It can't. Because I'm a child of God. You know, there, there may be physical things that can kill me and destroy me. This physical thing. But it can't, can't kill me. Can't destroy me. But it says that he'll lead us through that this is Schroeder's paraphrase. He'll lead us through that time of difficulty when it appears that there's absolutely no way out. Why? Because he's our shepherd and because we can put our trust in him. And it says his rod and his staff, they comfort us. His rod and his staff, they comfort us. The rod represents discipline. And the thing about discipline is not talking about beating us. It's talking about discipline getting us back on the right path. But you know, for him to be able to get us on the right path, we've got to, uh, you know, off of the air, on back onto the truth. We've, we've got to be willing to submit and yield to him. And, uh, and then the staff, the rod and the staff. Notice it isn't just a rod and it isn't just a staff. It's a rod and a staff. And the staff is how he guides us and he directs us. And so he'll guide and direct us out of that valley. But you know, in order to get out of that valley, many times what we're thinking on has to change. Because if we don't change the thought pattern, we're, we're, we're in a rut. And we can't get out of that rut. Did I talk about the rut on Sunday? No, I talked about it on Monday night, didn't I? <clears throat> Boy, I had fun on Monday night. Anyway, 
But on Monday night, I was talking about how with our thought patterns, we can get in a rut. And the problem, the problem with a rut is you no longer have control. You know, my, my Lexus is horrible in snow or anything like that. It's just, it's absolutely horrible. I mean, I go to Hy-Vee or Fairway and I get, I get stuck in the parking lot because I stopped in the driving part of it and I can't get going again and I'm sitting there and it won't, the wheels won't spin because it's got this anti-junk. And so, you know, you can't spin the wheels and because you can't spin the wheels, you can't get it to rock. And so I'm sitting there and just, and the wheels are just, and, and, you know, some guy will come up behind me and he'll go like this and I'm, I'm off because all I need is a nudge. It's not stuck in the Minnesota sense. It's stuck in the Iowa sense. And, and so, but, but like our, our alley, they, they're really good about keeping it up. But, you know, when that fall was there, we got ruts. And, and I had to avoid those ruts because if I got into a rut, I was, I was rut out. I mean, it, it was going to take me where it wanted me to go. And so I told him Monday night, I says, you know, <clears throat> the only way you can get out of a rut is you need a four-wheel drive pickup. You know, that's kind of what the Holy Ghost is. He's that four-wheel drive that'll get us out of the rut so that that rut isn't going to take us where it wants to take us. And that's how the valley of the shadow of death is. It's, it's like getting into a rut. You get there and you just, you just don't feel like you're ever going to get out of this place. But then our shepherd comes along and he brings some correction into our life. And generally, he's going to bring that correction through the Word of God. He's going to bring some correction into our life. And then with his staff, he's going to get us back onto the path where we need to go. That's similar to the Holy Ghost, who is that four-wheel drive pickup that gets us out of that rut and gets us back on the path so that we can be living the life of abundance rather than the life of destruction. So I didn't share all that with them. It was a toned-down version. But see, then at the very end it says about how um, I don't want to have to go through the whole thing and I'm going to have to do that to get to the end, so let me look at it. And at the very end of the verse, he says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Because see, that's the ultimate end. That's where our shepherd ultimately takes us. And that's where, at some point, We've got to look at the end and stop dwelling on the beginning. We've got to look to the end where we're headed for, the goal. You know, <clears throat> on my phone, I've got this, this uh, app. And, and, um, and so tomorrow, I'm going to make great use of this app because we're going up to Minneapolis and I'm going to a hotel that I've never been to before. And so it's going to, that app is going to take me right there. And then I'm going to reconfigure this app and I'm going up to Hudson, Wisconsin 
to see some friends of ours up there. And so I'm going to follow that app, and that app is going to take me where I want to go. But, you know, i got to punch in the end so that I can have a beginning. Because otherwise, I could be heading for Hudson, Wisconsin, and I could end up someplace in North Dakota. And who wants to go to North Dakota? You know, and so we've got to know where we're going. And see, we know where we're going because of what Jesus has done for us. But you know what? <clears throat> if our thoughts aren't on that, we just, we just see this. We don't see anything outside of this. We think things aren't ever going to change because que sera, sera, what shall be will, will be. This, this is it. But this isn't it. Because we have so much more. But we've got we've to focus our attention upon that. And see, that's where the correction comes in so that we can, we can get out of the pit. You know, because I, <clears throat> one of the things that I shared was, you know, everybody, when, when something like this happens, they have so many questions. We all want answers. And so we find answers. But the problem is, is generally speaking, we're asking the wrong questions. And so because we're asking the wrong questions, we can't get the answer that we're searching for. And ultimately, there isn't an answer because it comes down to faith, trusting God, knowing that we can rely on Him. But I made the statement, I said, you know, there are going to be people that are going to be asking the question, why did God do this? Why did God allow this? But you see, that's a question that's impossible to answer because God didn't do it. And, you know, it may appear and, 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 and for some reason we get comfort in thinking that God is in charge of everything and therefore if this is what happened it must have been God's plan. No, no. He created us as a free will agent that we might make decisions for ourselves and there's an, there's an adversary, there's a devil in this world that is out to steal, to kill and destroy. And why he had an opportunity, I don't know. If I knew, I could write a book and I could be rich today. But I don't know. And I wish I could tell people the answer, but I don't know. All I can tell people is, this is what I do know. God is good. God is loving. We can trust him no matter what the circumstances, no, what the, no matter what the situation is. No, I don't understand, but someday... I will be able to understand because I'll be able to look at Jesus face to face. And in simply looking into his face, I don't even think he'll even have to answer me. I just think every question that I've ever had in that moment in time is going to be answered. Because I'm going to be looking in the face of the one who knows. But it comes down to putting our trust in him because we know the end from the beginning. You know, I also used... John the ninth chapter. You know, in, in John the ninth chapter, it's the, it's the account where 
there's this man who's been blind from his mother's womb, from birth. He's been blind. And Jesus has asked this question. They say to him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind? Who sinned? What did I do wrong? What could I have done differently? What should I have done differently? How, what did I do that caused this to happen? Now, <clears throat> you all know because we've talked about it enough. In the Greek, there is no punctuation. And so when the translation goes over into the English, the punctuation is added for clarification. And so you can read it in the English because we have to have punctuation. But the punctuation is added according to context and or according to one's belief system. That's why our Bible translations, depending on the translators and their doctrinal positions, will give us a different translation. And it's not that they're changing the words, but if you change the punctuation, it changes the meaning of something. And so Jesus is asked a question. The question is, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind? Was he born blind because of something that they had done? So Jesus answers, or Jesus is answering the question. Now I'll read it as my Bible, the New King James, is written. I'll read it the way it is first. And Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, comma, but that the word of God should be revealed to him, period. So <clears throat> I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. Well, let me give you Schroeder's translation or Schroeder's punctuation. Remember, Jesus is answering a question. This is my punctuation. Neither his parents or neither this man nor his parents sinned, period. <coughs> New sentence. But that the works of God should be revealed to him, comma, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. And so what's Jesus saying? Neither one of them sinned. Why? Because it was the thief that come but for to steal, kill, and destroy. But so that God can be glorified, he laid hands on him. Actually, he made mud and stuck it in his eyeballs and, 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 and made the mud out of spit. You want to talk about being uncouth. That's our Jesus. You know, but... We're asking the wrong questions. They asked Jesus, which one of them sinned? Basically, Jesus said they didn't. 
And so, but you know, he didn't take it any further than that. He just took it from then and said, basically, but in this circumstance, I can be glorified. So no matter how traumatic, no matter how horrible the situation, when we focus upon God and we center upon Him and we look to Him, He can bring glory out of the midst of it. We look at this situation that happened this weekend. How can glory come out of that? Well, <clears throat> to begin with, I had mixed emotions. I feel bad for the parents. You know, I feel bad for the baby, that the baby doesn't have the opportunity to experience the potential that God had invested within that child. But then there's the other side of it. That baby is now in the presence of Jesus. That baby will never have to deal with the things that are going on in this world. That baby will never have to experience the temptation of walking away from God, the temptation to sin. Never have to experience and see the evils of the world, the death of his parents and others. You know, and so, but, but see, that's our thinking again. Well, I don't want to miss out. You know, Pastor Becky always talks about it when she, because she's working with uh, the teenagers, you know, that, you know, they, 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 they don't want Jesus to come back because they want to miss out. Miss out. Miss out. You know, <clears throat> think about those good old days. They weren't that good. In fact, there wasn't anything good about them at all. But see, that's our thinking process again. You know, we don't, we don't think like Paul. We don't think, you know, uh, I'm torn between the two. Whether to go home and be with the Lord or stay here and work for you. It would be to my advantage, Paul says, to go to heaven and be with Jesus. But he says, but for your advantage, for your benefit, I'm going to stay here. And we don't know how much, I don't know how long, much longer he stayed, but he stayed a while and accomplished more things for the kingdom. But it's that, that whole thinking process. And you see, our thinking process has to be based upon the Word of God. It doesn't mean that we don't have sorrow. It doesn't mean that we, we don't have periods of time when we're sad because of events that take place in the world. But those events that take place don't define us, they don't overwhelm us because we have the truth. You know, and as the Bible says, you'll know the truth, and the truth, it'll set you free. Notice what it says in 2 Peter 1, 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Grace and peace be multiplied to you told him this Monday night too. I said, I, 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 I like God's economy. You don't find, he, he doesn't add and you don't find subtraction. 
he uses multiplication. And so he says, grace and peace be multiplied unto you. Now, we know that when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, all the graces of God were imparted into our life. Uh, the fruit of the Spirit, that's in me. Healing, prosperity, deliverance, uh, whatever, it I might, whatever it may be, it's, it's all been imparted in my spirit. My spirit man is whole. But I have to appropriate those things by faith. That's why in Ephesians it says, for by grace you've been saved through faith. And so we have the grace, but we appropriate it through faith. And how do we operate in faith? Faith is based upon knowing something. You can't believe in something that you don't know about, that you're not aware of. And so he says, our grace, and you see, the graces and the peace that's available to us, it says it's multiplied unto us through the knowledge of God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. And so through the knowledge of God, through the knowledge of Jesus and what he's done for us and his tremendous love for us, what happens is because of that knowledge, it doesn't matter what comes against us because we know we overcome it. We know that it, it, it cannot defeat us because even if for some reason the enemy is able to take this physical life, he can't take my life because my life is eternally settled with Jesus. Why? Because I know he's my shepherd and I know eternity is waiting for me. It's just on the other side. Some days I feel like you can almost see it. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Some mornings I wish I could see it. <clears throat> but anyway, but, it, that's, but that's the truth. And that's what, what dominates our thinking process is that knowledge, those things that we receive, it affects our emotions. It affects everything about us. The law of God says you must think on the right things to receive the right results. We've got to think on the right things to receive the right results. And so let's look at Philippians, the fourth chapter. And if you're reading through the Bible in a year, using the same program I am, you would have read this today. Philippians, the fourth chapter, the fourth verse, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. You know, <clears throat> I was thinking about tonight when I was standing in the front row and Miranda's up there all by herself playing the piano and singing to us and we're able, she's leading us in worship and I'm just, don't you just appreciate her? You know, but I got thinking. <clears throat> this, is, this has been my last four days. Um, Sunday morning, we had worship and Miranda and the whole worship team is up there and leading us into worship and it was, was so wonderful. And, and then Monday night, we went up to the prison and Donna had a couple of songs and CDs that we played for the men and we had like 35 guys there. And uh, they, were, they, were they were fired up. And I'm standing in the front just like I, 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 I do here 
and I could hear them behind me and they were bellering them. Some of them can't carry a tune in a tin can, but let me tell you something. They, they beller it out and they were, they were even shouting at the end of the songs and I was hoping the cameras weren't going to bring any guards or anything in, but they were, they're excited about it. And last night we just had a few guys at Men of Life, but uh, we had uh, Junior and, and Steve and, and uh, Jake who uh, led us in worship and they were just, we were just small, but we were mighty and, and, and it, was, it was good. We had good worship. And then tonight, rejoice in the Lord. And, and you know, the, the thing that I see is <clears throat> uh, there are people, unless conditions are absolutely perfect, uh, they can't praise the Lord. And I just want to say, what's wrong with you? You know, I mean, I was in the Philippines and we were worshiping God and they were throwing rocks at the building. And it had a tin roof. I tell you, tin roofs and rocks don't go well together during a worship service. You know, but, but other things like that, you know. So it, it's, it's a mindset. We determine whether or not we're going to worship. We determine whether or not we're going to let those things around us affect us or if I'm going to focus and I'm going to worship my God because it isn't about what's going on around me. It's about Him. And it's, it's me controlling my thoughts. And so if I want to receive something out of worship, I've got to put something into worship. And the first thing that I've got to do is control my thoughts. Because it goes back to the statement I went. So I made the laws of God says you must think on the right things to receive the right results. The results that I want out of worship is to see God glorified and to sense his presence. But you know, if my thoughts are on everything else, it's not going to work out too well. And so rejoice in the Lord always. Whether it's a full orchestra or it's a CD. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. And then verse 6. Be anxious for nothing. Let me tell you something. If God tells us to do something we can't do, then he is an unjust God. And if he is an unjust God asking us to do things that is impossible for us to do, why would we serve him? Why would we have anything to do with him? So he, this, this isn't just a statement. I don't know the context of this, but this at the very least is very close to being a command. And he says, be anxious for nothing. Well, pastor, you know, I just am a worrier. I just, I just can't help it. Then get over it. But he says, be anxious for nothing. And how do we overcome it? By, but in everything. And so we determine, are we going to be anxious? Or in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving... Let your requests be made known to God and then the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds 
through Christ Jesus. And so we've got to have our focus on him because it's not about Christ Jesus, it's through Christ Jesus. And it says as we do that, it guards our hearts and our minds. I don't know about you, my biggest problem is my mind. If I can control my thoughts, but the hardest thing is to control my thoughts. And, and how do I do that? I have to guard what I put in, what I see, what I hear, what I allow myself to come in contact with. And if I come in contact with something that's negative, I gotta, gotta replace it with something. And so he says, let me read that again because I just really needed to hear it. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. What does that mean? That means we don't understand it. I shouldn't have peace here. But I have peace. Why do I have peace? You know, I, I've been in situations where I almost started to feel guilty because I felt so peaceful about it. And I'm thinking, I shouldn't be peaceful here. I should be upset. I should be anxious. But see, it's his peace that surpasses our understanding. That peace will guard our hearts and our minds through Christ Jesus. And then he goes on in the 8th verse and he says, Finally, brethren, after he said all this, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, thy word is truth. Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Think on these things. Don't, don't allow yourself, don't waste your time thinking upon the negativity that's out there. The, 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 I heard somebody make this statement one time. He said, do you realize that 90% of what you worry about never takes place. And so you think about all that wasted energy worrying about things that'll never take. Well, what about the 10% that does take place? Well, deal with it when it comes. And if we've not been sitting around thinking the worst about it, we're probably going to be able to overcome it and with a whole lot less anxiety because we haven't been thinking the worst for the last 14 and a half days. In other words, this is a command to keep our mind stayed on the Word of God, on the Lord and on His things. Isaiah 26, 3, it says, it says, you, He, God, you, will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Why? Because he trusts in you. 
Why is it that our, our mind is able to stay on these things because we trust in him? And this is, that's Isaiah. That's old covenant. You know, just think about the children of Israel. You know, as soon as anything bad happened, that's where their mind went. They forgot all about the miracles in Egypt. They forgot about the parting of the Red Sea. They forgot about uh, the rock that, that water flowed out of. They forgot about the manna that fell from heaven. Every time something happened, you know, right away, they were ready to stone Moses and, and Aaron and, and call for a, an election of a new leadership. They were ready to build a new idol because they forgot about everything that God had done for them. Why? Because their minds did not stay on the things of God, did not stay on God. Well, I know this is Old Testament, but, but Isaiah is Old Testament. And Isaiah is saying to them, this is, this is how you have the victory. Now the problem is, they didn't have the new spirit like we do. They weren't born again. And so we've got such an advantage over them, but the same principle that would have brought victory in their life still works in our life. Think of David. He's coming up against Goliath, the giant. And what does he say? He says, I've killed the lion and I've killed the bear. What is this uncircumcised Philistine to me? Now he recognized that it was God that empowered him to kill the lion and kill the bear. But he focused on what God had already done in his life. And as a result of that, he was going to be able to do far, far greater things. We can go throughout the Old Testament. We see all kinds of examples. We see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Bow down and worship the image or I'm going to throw you into the fire. O King Nebuchadnezzar, do whatever you want. Don't throw us into the fire, throw us into the fire. Doesn't matter. Either way, we're not going to worship your image. Ticked him off. Gave him one last chance. You bow down and worship and I won't, I won't, I won't cook you. We're ready to go. Bound him up, threw him in the fire. God met him right there in the midst of the fire and set him free. Same thing with, with Daniel. Refused to bow. And as a result of that, he was thrown into the lion's head, but God delivered him. <clears throat> you know, Jerry, Jerry Seville always made this statement. Well, a lot of people say it now. But he is the first one I ever heard make this statement. He says, you know, the thing about God is he's never late, but seldom early. Now you look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You look at Daniel, and you think, too late. No, it wasn't. He was right on time. So we're, here we are. We might have something taking place in our life, whatever it may be, and, and, and we're thinking, it's too late, it's too late. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? It's too late, it's too late. What am I going to do? Never too late with God. I mean, if we're still breathing, then it's not too late. He's able. And so we put our trust in, in him. God made you so that your physical and emotional health follows the way of your thinking. Proverbs 4, 22. Life unto those who find them 
and health. God's word is life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Why? Because it's the word. When we think according to the word, our whole world begins to change. Psalms 107.20 He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from destruction. How did he do it? Did it through the word. It's all about the word. It changes our thinking. It changes our experience. But we've got to get our thinking line up, lined up if we want our experience to line up. Ephesians 3.20 Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. To him, Jesus, who is able. He's able. We got to believe he's able. He's not just wanting to, willing to. He's able to. You know, there's a lot of things I would like to do. It's like I told somebody the other day they, they needed something. And I says, you know, I would, I would like to be able to give that to you. But I'm not able to. He doesn't just like to. He's able to. But notice, he's able to do exceedingly. I mean, it would be wonderful. It was just abundantly. But it's exceedingly abundantly. What does that mean? Uh, we, we can't comprehend it. That's, that's just simply what it means. We can't comprehend it. How to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. <clears throat> I don't know about you. I can think really big. I'm a, I'm a, I might not be a big doer, but I am a big thinker. And it says that he can do exceedingly abundantly above all that I can ask or think according to the power that's working in us. What's the power that's working in us? It's the Holy Spirit through the Word of God. God isn't going to do what he told you to do. That's sometimes where the limitation comes in. We just simply want him to do it. Oh God, do it. Please do it. He, he won't do it. He'll lead us. Therefore, submit to God. You know what? <clears throat> He'll never make you submit. We have to submit. Therefore, submit to God. Resist. We have to do the resisting. He doesn't do it for us. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Matthew 10.8 Heal the sick. Cleanse the leper. Raise the dead. Cast out demons. Freely you've received freely give. But you know what the problem is? If we haven't read the Word of God, we don't know what we've received. We don't realize we have it. But when we begin to read the Word of God and we begin to meditate on the Word of God and we begin to think on the Word of God, we begin to think, that belongs to me. That's a part of me. And because it is, I can do that. That's how our thinking process has to begin to change. <clears throat> you know, I told the guys the other night, you know, I never, I never prayed for a sick person until I prayed for a sick person. I never 
cast out a devil until I cast out a devil. I never preached a message until I preached a message. I never had a prayer line and saw people fall out under the Spirit until I had a prayer line and saw people fall out under the Spirit. I never counseled somebody until I counseled somebody. But let me tell you this. In my thinking, I had done it hundreds and thousands of times. There's been nights I lay in bed and I just saw myself praying for the sick. I saw myself getting up in front preaching. Why, why was that necessary? Because in my old thought pattern, I would have never been able to do it because of inferiority and insecurity, because that's what dominated my life. And so, yeah, I saw in the scripture, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but that didn't change everything because I read it one time. I had to begin to meditate on that. I had to think on that. I had to dwell on that. And I had to begin to see myself doing what he said I was supposed to do. And so you'll never, you'll never do it until you see yourself do it. And you'll never see yourself do it until you're thinking it, believing it, receiving it. Ephesians 1, 8 and 18 says, The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. This is what the Word of God does. Our understanding, the eye of our understanding is enlightened. It's not just seeing it with our physical eye. It's seeing it with our inner being, with that, that understanding where we know that we know that we know, as Oral Roberts used to always say. He used to always say, it's not enough to know it. You got to know that you know that you know. If you're born again, it's not enough to know that you're born again. You got to know that you know that you know that you're born again. You got to know that you know that you know that you're baptized in the Holy Ghost. You got to know that you know that you know that you've been healed by the blood of Jesus. We've got to know that. That's the, the, our understanding being enlightened. That you may know what is the hope of his calling. And are what, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? That's us. And, that, and what is the exceeding, <laughs> there it is again, exceeding greatness. Not just greatness, but the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him in his right hand in heavenly places. Jesus did that. And in Mark 16, 18, he says, they will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They'll lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. And so our actions are going to be proportional to our believing. And our believing is going to be proportional to our thinking. And our thinking is going to be proportional to the amount of the Word of God that we have in our life so that we walk in the fullness of it. What we think is extremely important. But where we say, oh, I can't help it, yes, we can. Because the Word has given us that ability in Jesus' name.
So Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you tonight that you've empowered us to serve you. Father, may we see ourselves doing the greater works and fulfilling your plan and your purpose here on earth that you might be lifted up and glorified. We thank you tonight in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Be blessed. Enjoy spring.